Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hey, welcome to It Could Happen Here, podcast about things falling apart and putting them back together. And this is another Andrew episode. So, hello, hello. Yes, greetings. Uh, we have, we have, we have Chris. We have James. We have myself, and we have uh, Andrew, obviously, who I'm gonna hand the reins off to. Awesome. So, hello again to another episode of. Me talking about different stuff, um, and quite fittingly, considering today is the day that Queen Elizabeth has passed into the pits of hell. Um, we are we are deeply as as a citizen under the Commonwealth. We are deeply saddened uh, by <laughs> the loss <laughs> of Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. All my colleagues <laughs> have re- reached out to me today, uh, and I am okay, guys. Oh, wow. That is so funny. Today, we will be discussing a current member of the Commonwealth. um, One of quite a few Twin Island nations. 
in the Caribbean, that being Antigua and Barbuda, and more specifically, Barbuda. Barbuda is an example of African resilience. It's an example of a society in touch with its environment. It's an example of the capability of the commons as an institution. And it's an example of sticking it to the crown, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Nice. I mean, I'm excited to learn more about that. How, how, how... Yes. Yeah, so I don't think many people know about Barbuda and its history. I doubt most people could place it on a map, but it's, it, it represents quite the interesting story. So to begin, I should probably explain what, what is a Barbuda. Barbuda is an island located in the Eastern Caribbean, forming part of the sovereign state of Antigua and Barbuda. It's located north of the island of Antigua and is part of the Leeward Islands of the West Indies. It comprises of about 62 square miles. So it is about 62 square miles, which is 160 kilometers. And it's one of the flattest islands in the Caribbean. Its soils are very shallow and infertile. It is a very arid island um, with very little rainfall and very frequent droughts. Its scrub wilderness is roamed by deer and pigs and descendants of the animals that early European traders and settlers would have imported. It also has a pre-settlement evergreen woodland that consists of white cedar, turpentine, and white wood, alongside columnar cactus and thorny shrubs and grassy glades and soils that have been another species that have grown up in soils that have been degraded by the clearance of charcoal burning and grazing and just general human activity. Most Barbudans, I would say, engage in shifting cultivation, but none of them are full-time farmers. The countryside is mostly uninhabited because the law required that all Barbudans lived in or near the island's one village, which is Codrington. And they're, according to the 2011 census, there were roughly 1,634 people on the island. Of course, that has changed in recent times, and we'll get into that shortly. Barbuda is yet another example of a distinctive community emerging out of the colonial era that swept through the Caribbean. I've mentioned the Maroons before, um, the different Maroon communities that have existed on the different Caribbean islands and in Guyana and Suriname. But I think Barbuda and their story represents really the diversity of how colonialism manifested um, in the region. Barbuda's people have a sense of identity and attachment to locality that is, I think, very distinctive and very unique among people of the Caribbean. Not to say that the rest of us don't have a sense of identity or an attachment to locality, but their story and their tradition reaches back over two centuries of near independence and quite significant levels of autonomy, which was unheard of 
in most of the Caribbean due to the legacy of slavery. Representing a very close-knit and traditional community, Barbudan's approach to using and stewarding the resources reflects that long legacy of isolation, of ecological constraint being on such a small island, of familial closeness having such a small population, and of social interdependence. Considering the series of administrators that they had dealt with and how each of those administrators neglected or ignored them. Barbudans, both home and abroad, are still very much attached to their island because they have long held it in common. So, we'll be diving into a brief history of exactly how they reached this point, what institutions they've developed for common ownership and communal land use, and how emigration has played a role in that, and unfortunately, how a combination of Hurricane Irma and the doctrine and the shock doctrine have contributed to their current situation. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. 
Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sports books. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. So for more than 200 years from the late 17th century, Barbuda was leased by the crown to one family, the Codringtons. Hence, the name of the village being Codrington. The original leasee was a guy named Christopher Codrington. He was the governor of the Leeward Islands. And his heirs lived in England, so they pretty much neglected it after he had died. Barbuda would have supplemented the lucrative sugar estates that Codrington had in Antigua with timber and ground provisions and fish and livestock and draft animals. Barbuda, being surrounded by coral reefs, often had ships wreck near the island, and so they also salvaged resources from those ships. And so as late as in the 1850s, the Codringtons were getting £4,000 a year from Barbudan stock, and 300 pounds a year from salvaging operations on the island. That's just over 643,000 pounds today, per year. And it just demonstrates, of course, that even though they were more independent than most other enslaved people, because the island wasn't as profitable, they were still being exploited. Initially, the island was only worked by a few indentured whites, but then... When enslaved people were brought in from Africa, the enslaved population began to rise and they began to establish that sort of culture and community that we see to this day. Because they were neglected, because the island was very little inhabited, they housed and they fed themselves through their own efforts and were basically spared of the rigors of the plantation regiment because of how unprofitable the island was because its soils were so sandy and arid and unfertile. So between 1800 and 1832, being free in many respects, Barbuda's population was able to rise from 300 to 500. And they built a a cohesive Creole community whose solidarity was able to thwart the efforts of local overseers and absentee proprietors to try to get them to labor on Antiguan estates or to get them to be more quote-unquote productive um, for their overseers. Because they had such a several hundred strong community on that island that had established itself for generations, no overseer, no manager could just pull up in there and just say, try and coerce them into doing what he wanted them to do. This is in stark contrast to a lot of the other Caribbean islands where managers and overseers had a lot more presence and a lot more power to destroy families, to split up communities, to foment divisions. Because the island just, they basically neglected it. And in that neglect, 
they took advantage of that neglect, of the material conditions that created that neglect to strengthen their community bonds and to strengthen their autonomy. As emancipation came around, Codrington himself even was like, wow, good for them. Pretty much because almost all of them were like, to quote him directly, one united family so attached to Barbuda that force alone or extreme drought can alone take them from that island. In other words, as, an expla- as a displaced indigenous African people, they reforged a connection to the new land that they had inhabited and rooted themselves in that land. One, one particular tradition they have is the burial of one's umbilical cord on the island itself. And so that's been going on for generations where they would a new child is born and the umbilical cord is buried on the island. And so even when Barbudans move abroad, they still have that strong tie to the island itself. So after emancipation rolled around in 1834, Barbudan life didn't change that much. The, tra- the transition from slavery to being free was not as abrupt or as consequential as it was in other parts of the Caribbean. They didn't become landowners. They didn't necessarily get any political power automatically because Barbuda was still being assigned to crown leases, which had certain um, agreements and contracts in place with the crown, that kind of thing. But they were, I mean, they were still being exploited, but things were a bit easier for them to transition compared to other places. An 1835 agreement had secured Barbudan's employment on Codrington Enterprises at specific rates of pay. But after the contract had lapsed, it really reverted to a sort of a relationship of, of coercion. They wouldn't, pay their, they wouldn't pay them their wages. They would take, quote-unquote, recalcitrant Barbudans and transport them to Antiguan jails or plantations and... They would continue to just siphon off of the island. One of the only exports really on the island at the time was cattle. Mostly for Codrington's estates in Antigua. Cattle, sheep, and firewood. And the people themselves were engaged in cultivating provisions, yams, potatoes, corn, and supplying their own you know, farm industry, their own clothing, their necessities. So Barbudans would continue with their different occupations, their hunting and their fishing, their provision, tending, their cutting wood and burning charcoal and salvaging wrecks. Sometimes they would be employed by proprietors or governments, but most times they either disregarded these authorities or acted in open defiance. And so agents of the state would often complain about Barbudans and their disregard for the crown's property and the estate's property. They would often be accused of poaching Codrington's cattle. And so they were, there was one attempt in particular to seize all their guns and send them off of the island. And so when the government did step in and condemn the Barbudans for, you know, taking cattle when they wanted to take cattle, Barbudans basically pulled an Uno reverse card and demanded redress against interference with their livelihoods. They basically were like, I'll quote one petition that was written by Barbudans in 1869. We are deprived of the use of our firearms, whereby most of us live in shooting any large fish, turtle, or wild birds. 
We are told to take out licenses, yet if we are seen with a gun, not even shooting, we are taken before the magistrate of Antigua, in quotes, and severely punished, punished for it. Our little gardens are gone to waste, and if such as are still in a little cultivation was to be injured by weather, and we by sickness are not able to have the fences repaired directly, it is taken and burned, saying our intention is only to catch the wild beasts of Mr. Codrington's. Eventually, I guess the Codrington's got tired of having to not profit as well as they could have, of having to deal with these independent people. They relinquished on their lease in 1870. They took all their horses and cattle off the island, leaving only the deer and sheep because you can't really round up deer and sheep as effectively at that, at that point. And they basically, they left. Um, and I always find it interesting when Europeans bring like a bunch of European animals wherever they go. It's like, let me just go and set up an estate here in the middle of nowhere and introduce a bunch of deer and sheep and rabbits and stuff. I mean, I think it happened in Australia as well. They just let a bunch of rabbits just go loose just for hunting. It's like, oh, let me like get a hobby that's not <laughs> shooting animals. But anyway. So because Bobby Uda was seen as unprofitable, each leasee that you know got their lease from the crown gutted its resources as much as they could and neglected its inhabitants. William and Robert Dugal of William and Robert Dugal's Barbuda Island Company never invested the annual 1.5 or 1,500 pounds required by their lease. Only 700 pounds rather than their promised 6,000 worth of stock were introduced with barely, with barely a score of Barbudans employed as cruisiers. And even though they allegedly attempted to plant um, certain coffee, cola, cocoa, and other fruits, they neglected that too. And eventually, in 1898, a derelict Barbuda was forfeited to the crown for a non-payment of rent. When a government official visited the island, he found the deer were almost exterminated, the satin wood and logwood were depleted, the cattle were famished, the fences were in disrepair, they had four men to round up about eight, 100 horses, 80 cattle, and, and a bunch of cows, and the two paddocks that existed on the island had long since become filthy, and variously overgrown, not only with bush, but dense thickets. Dr. Dugall's gunners also apparently had a really bad sense of aim because a lot of the fences were just riddled with bullets. And so because the island and the people were starved and degraded by the Dugalls, um, the colonial office had, you know, revoked their lease and basically excused the few villagers who had taken some of the cattle um, for themselves. Babirans had also protested the fact that whenever these leases would pull up on their island, they would always be taking their stock, closing their provision grounds, threatening to evict them, basically doing everything they could to be hostile towards people on the island. And so only their own traditional hunting and farming and, and stuff enabled Barbudans to survive. Of course, the government being the government didn't really care about the people that much. So even though the leaseholders were gone, they didn't really get much out of it. The people, that is. So then after the determination of the lease, the colonial government, uh, the Leeward Islands colonial government in Antigua basically took over the island. 
and they established a government stock farm in 1901, some cotton plots in 1903. Um, they gave some grants to pay for fencing and cutting wood and cotton experiments and cattle purchases and mule breeding. And the Barbudans took the government grazing lands for their own purposes and basically enclosed a portion of that land and left it for the government stock and left the rest of the pasture, the richest parts of the pasture, for their own horses and cattle and donkeys. So while the government had to deal with like this small portion of land with like some very weak, insufficient meadow, the rest of the community was able to flourish with a nice rich pasture for their cattle. And still, despite that, the stock farm, the government stock farm still flourished with 161 horses, 108 cattle, and five mules by 1905. And then Cotton, surprisingly, also became profitable on the island. Um, a, cot a crop that really didn't flourish there at all during slavery was now starting to pick up in the beginning of the early 20th century. They began shipping cotton out and employing a bunch of Barbudans, and now Barbuda was being seen as a super profitable place. However, because of that cotton boom, Barbudans were able to buy passage overseas, they were able to raise their standard of living, and it ended up causing a labor shortage that led to conflict. After a shipwreck off the island in 1915, the island manager went to check out what was going on with the salvaging, and he caught a bunch of Barbudans salvaging but salvaging for their own profit instead of his profits. And so in, in, retalii in retaliation for him trying to stop them from salvaging for themselves, the Barbudans burnt his boat and his wagon. And so in retaliation for that, the governor of Antigua started to impose these previously unenforced rents on cultivated plots. So like he wanted to charge like five shillings per acre per year. And he also doubled animal head taxes. And so by introducing these taxes, introducing these rents, the government was basically trying to get, not just to punish the people for, you know, daring to be free, but also trying to force them to work on their cotton plantation. Of course, Barbudans, having lived so freely for so long, didn't want to work on these cotton plantations especially not after slavery. Um, and so the people petitioned the crown against this kind of semi-indentured servitude that the governor was trying to introduce. And it seems that Mother Nature was on their side because they won their case due to drought. All the crops were basically ruined by drought, cutting on cotton profits, um, cutting on cattle profits, cutting on crop, on, on corn profits. And uh, all this happened in 1916. And then in 1922, Barbuda was hit by a hurricane more severe than they'd ever seen before. And so 
that brief period where Barbuda was seen as striking gold for the government came to an end. And Barbudans continued to cling on to their customary modes of subsistence, of self-reliance, of survival, of their plots and their livestock and their fishing grounds, of continuing to be their own masters because 250 years of experience had taught them how unreliable and exploitative all these other alternatives that bosses, or non-natives, that the government was trying to introduce were to them. And they learned that only ownership in common would guarantee their access and guarantee the protection of their island from environmental exploitation. And so that's where we get to the interesting part. Because they'd already long thought of themselves as owners of the island, as possessing the island for themselves, even though in, on paper it wasn't the case. Even though on paper they were being handled between the crown and the different leaseholders that the crown would introduce. Barbuda, two Barbudans, being so small, being so homogenous, having such meager soils, having such strong and tight connections and bonds, they saw it as all of theirs, collectively. It wasn't like, and when I say strong connections, family bonds, I don't mean it in the sense that uh, some of the other in lands in the Caribbean were sort of parceled out. Because in the Caribbean, there are lands that are held by certain families and it passes down the family and it's going on for generations. But it wasn't this idea that all oh, these particular families own the land. It was that all of them together own the land. Serious, real, communal land ownership. They'd used the land for generations to raise ground provisions, to hunt deer and wild pigs, to keep goats and sheep, to keep cattle, to cut firewood, to fish, and so on. They had no documents that said that they had these collective rights on the island, and yet they all insisted with one voice that Barbuda was theirs alone. No outsiders could tell them otherwise. And... Furthermore, they had proven again and again and again that outside proprietors were powerless in the face of their attempts to run the island for themselves because they would continue to graze their cattle wherever they wanted to graze their cattle. They would continue to fish wherever they wanted to fish, salvage whatever they wanted to salvage, cultivate wherever they wanted to cultivate. Who's going to stop them? <laughs> you know? Clearly nobody. They couldn't even get, outsiders couldn't even get like a rent out of Barbudans. So by 1920, Barbudans had gotten legal entitlement to roughly half of the island. And by 1983, they controlled virtually all of its resources, basically de facto. Unfortunately, against their will, honestly, Antigua and Barbuda were joined together by colonial administrators. And so Antigua and Barbuda is the country that exists today. But 
one of the primary concerns of Abudans were that they were able, were that they be able to maintain sole ownership, sole control, sole communal control over the lands of Barbuda. Land ownership has been an issue that Barbudans have had with Antigua for a very, very long time now, for decades now. And um, really all Barbudans want is to maintain their common ownership for themselves alone. And so they've maintained that through the Barbudan Council, defending the land and declaring that no land in Barbuda can be sold or developed without the permission of the Barbudan Council. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 
And so now to explain basically how common land use works in Barbuda, there are two distinctive and useful modes of land use. Shifting cultivation for provision grounds and open range pasturage for livestock. Because the soil is so weak, shifting cultivation is a necessity. And so after one or two years of planting exhausted soil, they move their fencing, they move their grounds of between half an acre to two or three acres and plant their sweet potatoes, yams, maize, beans, pigeon peas, squash, peanuts, etc. elsewhere. So the old land could, you know, regenerate. But this constant cultivation is something that occurs that grants really no permanent rights to any one individual. You do have use rights, it's the principle of usufruct, over the area you're cultivating, but you don't have permanent ownership over that piece of land that you're cultivating. And they have that system in place because they recognize, living on the island for all these generations, that Barbuda's ecology is extremely fragile, extremely limited. Um, its resources are limited. And so they have to safeguard their, um, their sustenance for generations to come. Yeah, it's fascinating, actually. It's really, I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Similarly, with, um, with the slash and burn cultivation, they also had the management of open-range livestock being very much unrestricted. Um, there are actually feral cattle that exist on the island, in addition to the more tamed and penned animals. Um, and so how they basically, they allow all their animals to, you know, mix and mingle of different families or different individuals would have their specific cattle or horses or sheep or whatever earmarked or branded. But for the most part, they, they've maintained this sort of open range husbandry because it helps to sustain their unity. It helps to maintain their and strengthen their social bonds and their community solidarity to basically ensure that everyone is taken care of in a place that is so scant of resources. And lastly, through one of the ways that they maintain the balance of the island is through, is through emigration. The population has basically stayed at that level because they've stayed within the limits of the resources they have on the island. And so young Barbudans have had to leave um, the island um, while still maintaining their communal use rights to the land. And then eventually they would make remittances of money or resources and periodic returns that would help to introduce, you know, healthcare resources and housing resources and education resources to the island. So it's not that they're like completely isolated from the outside world living in this sort of bubble. They do still have that exchange going on. Most of the immigrants live in three primary communities. St. John's Antigua, of course, seeing as it's their neighbor. Um, a lot of them are in New York City. I mean, a lot of Caribbean people in general are in New York City, but Barbudans are in New York City. 
And a lot of them also live in Britain, in Leicester. As part of the West Indian exodus that took place all the way back in the late 1950s. So to sort of wrap things up here, um, their communal ties and their solidarity have allowed them to cope with a harsh environment and to successfully navigate a succession of misinformed, aloof, sometimes actively hostile and mostly incompetent proprietors, managers, and administrators. Being so unified and holding themselves in solidarity, they have managed to maintain their traditional resource ownership, their communal land tenure, and their fragile ecology. Completely and totally um, rejecting the assertions that the economist Garrett Hardin made about the tragedy of the commons. It has not been a tragedy for Barbudans. It has been a triumph. Until recently. Unfortunately, in September 2017, Hurricane Irma damaged and destroyed up to 95% of the island's buildings and infrastructure. And as a result, all of the island's inhabitants had to evacuate Antigua, leaving Barbuda empty for the first time in hundreds of years. Wow. I mean... Two years later, by February 2019, most of the residents have returned to the island. However, the Prime Minister of Antigua, Gaston Alfonso Brown, he's been leader since 2014, um, has been making moves essentially to privatize Barbuda. His background before entering politics was being a banker and a businessman. And he seems to be employing the shock doctrine tactic of using environmental catastrophe and social displacement to accelerate capitalism, essentially. After, you know, Hurricane Emma swept through um, and most residents became homeless, communication systems came that went, went down, um, Antigua and Barbuda got relief, £120,000 of relief for Barbuda. Um, That's not very much. Not very much at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it would take over $100 million to rebuild the homes and the infrastructure in Barbuda. Um all the critical infrastructure that existed, the food supply, the medicine, the shelter, electricity, water, communications, waste management. And as one person said, um, the director of Antigua and Barbuda's National Office of Disaster Services, Phil Mullen, he said, in my 25 years of disaster management, I have never seen something like this. It is optimistic to think anything like this could be rebuilt in six months. They have to rebuild entirely all of their public utilities. Um, and so essentially what Prime Minister Gaston Alfonso Brown is trying to do is revoke communal land ownership, allow the residents to buy some land and 
use the rest to basically introduce um, resorts and hotels and other mm-hmm. tourist uh, attractions to help fund the um, rebuilding efforts. But of course, we know where that money is actually going to go. And that's as far as I know about the situation. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any connections in Antigua and Barbuda yet. Um, but unfortunately, that is what has been going on. Another example, basically, of disaster capitalism, trying to seize and accumulate through violence and through exploitation, as usual. I hope that, you know, we've seen and been inspired by Barbuda's efforts, and I hope that um, Barbudans are able to continue to prove themselves resilient in the face of this disaster. That's fascinating. Um, do you know, like, I'm interested in these, like, diasporic communities. Like you said, there's one in Leicester and stuff. Um, it, it, like, do they still have, like, a very strong community coherence, like, when they, when they go elsewhere? Um, to, like, did, did, like, you said they tend to gather in, like, certain spots. Uh, I'd be interested in, like, how those folks, I guess, dealt with a very different life in, like, New York or Leicester or, or wherever. Right, well... Um... Like other Caribbean people um, who have emigrated, we do tend to con- concentrate in certain um, places where we, where we already have family connections. Um, I think most Caribbean people have at least a relative living abroad. Yeah. Um, an uncle, a great uncle, second cousin, a cousin, whatever. Um, and so it sort of builds from there. And so you try and basically create like a piece of home and sort of settle and concentrate in those areas and live in those areas and support each other in those areas. Yeah. And that I would say helps with the adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can find me on youtube.com slash andrewism on patreon.com slash St. Drew and on twitter.com slash underscore St. Drew. If you are uh, Barbudan, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I would love to learn more about the situation going on and wish you all, all the best. Solidarity forever. Peace. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin 
in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 